This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com We know that Tisha B'Av is called the Mayit. Kri Mayit. So we all know that when Mashiach comes, the Tisha B'Av will be a Yantif. The question is, but now it's a Yantif. We don't say Tachanun. We don't say we don't say Avina Malkeinu. So, not just it's going to be a Yantif when Mashiach comes, but it's a Yantif today. Even yesterday, we didn't say by Mincha So, right now, it's a Yantif. Doesn't feel like Yantif. We don't sit on the floor on Yantif, we don't fast on Yantif. So Lemaisa, what is this Kurei Mayet? What is this Yantiv now? We understand Mashiach will be a Yantiv, but what's the Yantiv now? How could you feel like today's Yantiv? Actually, this year Tisha B'Av was not only Yantiv, it was more than Yantiv. Tisha B'Av was Shabbos. And I was just thinking yesterday, because I was eating Shalashudas and I ate a Fleshik of Shalashudas. And I was thinking yesterday that how unbelievable Shabbos is that on the day of the destruction of the Beit HaMikdash the day where the Beit HaMikdash is destroyed and the, I mean if you read the, the kinnas that we read this morning the, the, the streets are flowing with blood pounds of Jewish children's brains piled up on a rock mothers eating their children men eating their fathers terrible story that's brought down in kinnas how could you Eat fleshings, chile, kugel, kishka, wine. How come Tishabov is not Deicha Shabbos? And the answer is that as tragic and traumatic Tishabov is, Shabbos is way, way above. Yom Kippur, Shabbos will be Deicha Yom Kippur too. We'll be able to eat on Yom Kippur. The reason Shabbos is not Deicha Yom Kippur is only because Yom Kippur is called Shabbos Shabbosan. It's called double Shabbos. So double Shabbos is above one Shabbos. I was thinking yesterday how amazing Shabbos is and how we should appreciate it, not just when it's a fast day, but to realize that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is Mevatel, Mevata, 100%, all his pain and everything that happened on Tisha B'Av for Shabbos. And he says, my children, go eat. You know, even if it was milchiks, if Shabbos, if he comes out on Shabbos Tisha B'Av, he'd have to eat only dairy. We could eat, we could eat only dairy, we'd still feel, we'd still feel Tisha B'Av. No, Vasavayayim. Shabbos Deichas HaKol. I think we need to appreciate that the rest of the year. So the question is, what's the Yantif? So Rosh Hashim brings down a, I believe it's a Yalkut. And he says a beautiful story. He says the story of a king and his daughter, the princess, we loved very, very much. They were inseparable. 
But then one day she got old enough, she got married, she moved to her husband, who was the king in a different country, and she moved far away from her father. She lived there, her father lived in his palace, it was too far, they didn't really see each other very often. And one day, the people come running to the princess, a great tragedy has happened. What happened? Your father's palace burnt down to the ground. There's nothing left. Nothing at all. They expected her to start crying. They expected her to be upset. Instead, she starts to dance. She starts to sing. And the people are like, we thought you and your father had a good relationship. We're crying that the king lost his palace, multi-million dollar palace, with his gardens and all the greatness and splendor of this palace, and you, his only daughter, you're dancing? What happened? The two of you had a fight? She said, no. He said, I miss my father very, very much. And I know that now that he no longer has his palace, where is he going to go? To the peasants? Is he going to move into a hut? Of course not. He's the king. He's going to come to my palace. And he's going to stay with me until they rebuild his. And of course, when her father came to move into her beautiful palace, she wasn't dancing and saying, oh, I am so happy your palace burnt down to the ground. That would not have been a good thing to say. She said, Tati, I feel so bad. I feel so bad that you lost everything. All those memories, all those beauties that you had in the palace, I feel so bad. But deep down she was thinking, I am so happy that this happened, that now I have you until that palace gets rebuilt. He says, that is the moyed of Tishabav. It is true that our father's house got burnt down to the ground and he lost, there are not Kaidash, he lost everything. Everything. Yushalayim, Beit Hamigdash, he lost everything. But where is he going, boys? To the Iranians? To the Russians, to the Chinese, to the Americans. Where is he going? He needs a place to rest. He needs a place to live. Where is he going? There's only one place for the Shekhinah. Not Vashachanti Besachal. The right dictate would be make for me a Migdash I will dwell in the base of Migdash. That's not what it says in the Pasuk. It says when there is no more base of Migdash. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, I will come to you, I will dwell amongst you, I will dwell in each and every Jew. Zayar brings down, it's a beautiful Zayar, and he says that our Jewish home is the Beis HaMikdash. The menorah that a woman lights for Shabbos, she's considered, in the Zayar says, she's considered the Kohen Gadol. She lights the menorah every Shabbos. The Shulchan in your house is considered a Mizbeach. The Lechem Mishnah is considered the Lechem Hapanim. 
the Zmirais is considered the Shirim of the Leviim. And a person's bedroom, says the Zayam, is considered the Kaidish Hakadashim. And the Zayam says that the woman and the husband Biyichud are considered the Kruvim. The Kaidish Kadashim is a person's bedroom. So unbelievable Zayah, so each one of our homes is a base Hamingdash. So yes, we sit on the floor and we cry that the king lost his palace. But at the same time inside Kruay Mayed, in the times of the Beis Hamigdash, most of the people in this room could not get past the Azara, except the Wallasteins because they're Kahanam. But the rest of you could not get past the Azara. Most of Kleistrel had to wait outside. A Zara that would come into the Beis Hamigdash would be Chayav Misa. Today, you have a chance to be the Beis Hamigdash. For a woman to be a Kohen Gandal, for a man to be a Kohen Gandal, for a husband and a wife to have the Kedusha of the Kruvim. But in the Kinnis, we said today, the Titus Arasha came with his hobnailed boots into the Kaidish Kedashim with a Zaina. And he did a terrible Avera in the Kaidish Kedashim. They took a Chazer and they shechted it in the Beis HaMikdash. Shimshin writes, some of us bring into our Kaidish Kedashim, into our bedrooms, the same Zaina, the same Chazer. The internet, the movies, the television, the social network, the Chazer of this generation, the Vaidizara, the Znus, and the Zaina of this generation. Our bedrooms, our Zivug, has to be Kaidish Kedashim. If that's the house that you build, that your home is your Beis HaMikdash, then there's a reason to celebrate today. Because in the time of the Beis HaMikdash, you couldn't get close. Now, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is actually living with us. And that's a reason deep down in your heart. We can't say it to the king, we're happy your house burnt down. But deep down in your heart, there has to be a simcha. I could get closer to Hashem today than I could in the times of the Beis HaMikdash. That was one of his answers. Another beautiful thought is as follows. When we go to be Menachem Oval, someone who lost his father or mother, what do we, what do, we do when we go there? We talk about all the good things that that father did. We went to school together. He helped me with tzedakah. People come from the corners. People who sit shiva today, they have a tape recorder and they tape all the stories of all the people that are coming to tell them what their father did. So what are you actually doing when someone's sitting shiva? You're talking about their death? How they died? No. You're celebrating their life. You know, they, 
children didn't take out the the albums for 50 years and you sit there, you go Menachem and they take out these old albums. Look my father when he got married. Look at this picture when he took me to Eretz Yisrael. Look at this, look at this when he was young. Wasn't he great looking? Look at this when he gave us Sefer Torah. Those albums were gathering dust for 40 years. But because the family sitting shiva, all of a sudden, all the memories, the celebration of the person's life comes out. So by remembering the pain in the most painful moment when someone lost someone who they loved all they talk about is the greatness of that person terrible tragedy that happened in Flatbush the seven children that passed away Rabbi Gabriel Sassoon every week in the paper wrote a whole thing about each one of those children we didn't know any of those children but by reading about each one of those children, that they were tzaddikim, vitzitkaniyais, they were karbanais. So in the tragedy of their loss, we learned of their greatness. Says Rav Shimshim Pinkis, we don't think about the Shekhinah, we don't think about the Beis Hamigdash a whole year. One day a year, we think about the Beis Hamigdash. But we don't celebrate its loss. We celebrate Mare Kayin. We celebrate what it was. And once upon a time what we had. And that brings out the good memories at the worst point. And we're sitting like a Valen. And we're taking out our albums. And we're talking about what it used to be when Klai Yisrael was the leader. What does it say in Eicha? The world could not believe how far we fell. So in the ba- in the greatest pain, there's a maye, there's a yantif, there's a memory of what we used to be. We know that it says that every year that the base of Middash is not here. It is considered like we destroyed it. If we look back at last year and we want to know if we had the right Tishab of last year, we look at the year. You can't know how good your Rosh Hashanah was until the following Rosh Hashanah and you could look back at your year. If we all in this room want to know how good our Tishab was last year, what we need to do is look at how it was this year. So Erev Shabbos, I sat down and I wanted to go through the alphabet, A through Z, and look at through all the letters what happened this year. And that will give us an insight to how good Tisha B'Av was last year. I figured it would take me at least an hour or two. It took me six minutes. I'd like you. To, I'd like to read to you how Tisha B'Av was last year. These are the things that we are suffering this past year. The letter A: autism, anorexia, atheism, anti-Semitism. The letter B: the beheading of human beings, bullying. 
the letter C, crisis, cutting, self-mutilation, cancer, Chilo Shabbos, the letter D, divorce, depression, disease, all types of disabilities, the letter E, emotional abuse, esteem, low esteem, the letter F, fanaticism, the letter G, gay rights, Gaza, the letter H, Hamas, the letter I, ISIS, Iran, immorality, the letter J, Jews in jail, Rubashkin, Pollard, and many more. The letter K, killing, kids at risk. The letter L, learning disabilities, lack of connection to each other and Hashem. The letter M, mental illness, machlokas, murder. The letter N, neo-Nazism, nuclear war, narcissism. The letter O, kids off the derech, off the derech. The letter P, poverty, physical abuse, pedophilia. The letter Q, quarreling, questioning Hashem. The letter R, racism, ridiculing our leaders, ridiculing our Rabbanim. The letter S, sexual abuse, shalom bias, shidduch crisis, suicide, same-sex marriage, and seven korbanos, wolves in a fire. The letter T, transgender, terrorism. The letter U, unemployment, unrest in the world. The letter V, violence. The letter W, war. The letter X, excessiveness, never being satisfied. The letter Y, the yeshiva system, kids not getting into school, kids being thrown out of school. And the letter Z, Zima, complete world immorality. How do we do, guys? I was Tisha above last year. Next year, this alphabet should be totally erased. I spoke this morning. I think this is very important. I'm not getting into the whole subject matter. But there's a very big mistake that we're making. Last year, at this point, when I was standing in front of you, there were 15 states that voted for gay marriage. Today, I'm standing in front of you. We live in a country with a supreme... The word supreme is usually used for Hashem. The Supreme Court. The Supreme Court of the United States passed a law. But the word marriage has changed. And that men can marry men and women can marry women. The Rambam says this was a disease in Mitzrayim. The Supreme Court passed a law pro-abortion this was a disease in Sedan. We think, and people have told me, Ray Wallace, you do not talk about the Supreme Court. Do not talk about transgender where a man becomes a woman and a woman becomes a man and pretty much just not happy with who you are. You can do whatever you want. 
everyone thinks, Rawson, don't talk about it, we're Jews, we, we don't have anything to do with the Goyim, so why should we talk about it? What do we have to do with the, all this garbage? It's a huge mistake! It's not coming from the Goyim to us! It's not the way Hashem created the world! We, the Jewish nation, is the soul of the world! And if we're corrupt, if we're sick, if the heart and soul is sick, then the rest of the body is sick. And if the heart stops, the body dies. Kavayosha says, he brings down from the Zayar, the Jewish nation is considered the heart the world. Where do they have a right to define marriage? One of the judges got up and said, we are the Supreme Court. We pass in laws. We don't decide what's marriage. That's up to the clergy. Where do we have a right to pass such a law? If Claudius rolls marriage was B'Kedusha, U'B'Tahara. If our marriage was what it's supposed to be, we treated each other the way we're supposed to treat a man treating his wife, and a wife treating a man. And there was no intermingling between men and women, in front of shul, out of shul, in a bungalow, at a wedding. If we who's the heart and soul of the world, spirituality, was doing what it's supposed to doing, there'd be no gay marriage. But when we move our morals a drop, being that we are the heart and soul, the rest of the world is affected by dropping a pebble in a lake. And those ripples affect the whole world. And in turn, the Mida Keneged Mida is, now we are stuck in that fish store. And therefore we smell from fish. The morality of the world does not control the Jewish nation. The Jewish nation controls the morality of the world. No man could marry man and woman marry woman. If a man and a woman in the Jewish world, if their marriage was what it's supposed to be. No man would get up and become a woman and become the face of America, an Olympia, a gold medal winner. If the Jewish men were men, and the Jewish women were women, if the women would sneers, if the men would snua, if we acted like men, and we looked like men, and we behaved like men, and the women of Kleistro behaved like women, we wouldn't be where we are today with that situation. You know, people tell me, you shouldn't talk about this stuff, but I'm the only one that does, so... I'm not going to talk about it on Tisha but when am I going to talk about it? So something happened two weeks ago. 
there's a group just to know what we where we live called Planned Parenthood. They control in America pro-abortion. And these two people who were anti-abortion decided without telling the person they were meeting she's the head doctor of this organization was all over the news they weren't going to tell her so they secretly videotaped a meeting that they had with her they went out to dinner so this pro-abortion doctor was sitting by dinner with a steak and, and wine and she's discussing with these two people who are undercover she doesn't know about what she does with the fetuses and she's telling them how they harvest, that she used the word harvest, like it's a wheat field, the organs of the child that's aborted. And at this meeting, she's showing off, and she says, today, I harvested a 17-week-old pregnancy. Four months and a week. And they showed what a baby looks like at four months and a week. It has hands, it has feet. It sucks its thumb, it moves. And she harvested this baby and she's telling them how she cut it apart and took all the organs out and it was a miracle. They got the heart and the lungs and the liver whole and the kidneys whole. And they asked her, well, doesn't it bother you? It's a baby, it's a child, it's moving. And she said, don't you understand it's for the furtherance of medicine. We use these parts in our medical research. When I heard this, I said to myself, Mengele Yamach He used to experiment on children, specifically twins. And he was confronted once. I don't know if it was the Red Cross or who it was exactly. And they asked him, doctor, you're a doctor. A doctor is a person who heals. You're a doctor. How could you do this to Jewish children? And he said, for the furtherance of medicine. Wow, we are so close. Four, and a half, four months in a week to a nine-month baby. That's the difference between a Mengele and Planned Parenthood. How? Look what's going on. We're coming to a tissue book. Look what's going on in this world that we live. And the answer is, Clashville has to be more careful. Today there's a lot of heterim not to have children. I'm going to work going to school, going to college. I don't, know if the, I don't know if the marriage is going to work. Heterim, heterim, heterim. Maybe we need to be more careful to bring children to the world. The world can't do anything without us. So if we want to get rid of this list that I read to you today, don't expect the world to stop it. The Supreme Court, can't you can't veto what they did. Don't expect Obama or all these Rishon to stop it. They're not going to stop it. Because it's not coming from them. 
they're a reaction to us. And if we become Kaddish, and we do what we're supposed to, when the heart is sick and you do an operation and the heart becomes healthy, the rest of the body becomes healthy. So when the Jewish nation, when we become Tznuah, we stop watching the things we shouldn't watch. When we make Hashem part of our life, when we become healthy, the heart of the world becomes healthy, then the rest of the world will become healthy. And until then, the sicker we get, the sicker they get. So I want to end with a story. And the greatest pain that I've, one of the greatest pains I've ever seen someone go through. I want to tell you why it's a cruel mayed. About three, four months ago, I got a phone call from a doctor. It was a girl, she's about 24 years old, a girl, good girl. Tried to kill herself. Ended up in a hospital. Doctor called me and said she never spoke about it. But after a couple of sessions, found out she let it all out. That she was sexually abused since she was eight years old. So she was 14. She never dealt with it. It festered. She tried to kill herself. And Wallstein, you got to talk to her. Maybe or maybe you can help her. Whatever it is, I got involved. We got her a job. We got her the best therapist. We moved her into Brooklyn. Everything was amazing. One of the people that were involved decided that he wanted to help her. She had an old crummy, what we call a phone, like my phone. I got up last week and I spoke in a place there talking about smartphones. I said, well, if those are smartphones, then this is a very learning disabled phone. So this guy decided he's going to be nice to her. So what do you do? He bought her an iPhone. iPhone. She needs to be entertained. Two days after she got the iPhone, he got her Facebook. Because she was alone. And he felt that, without asking me, I knew nothing about it. Socially, this is going to help her. It's going to make friends. What did she post on her Facebook? Hi. I'm lonely. That's not the right thing to put on your Facebook. Immediately, she got an answer from someone. Hi, I'm also lonely. Are you Jewish? Yes. Are you religious? Yes. Why don't we sit down and talk? This girl who's totally innocent, doesn't know from all this stuff, goes to meet this guy. The rest of the story is horrendous, and I'm not saying it in a shul. And he did some really bad stuff to her. Really very bad stuff. And she couldn't handle it. Hashem's never going to forgive me. And she went through the whole thing. And that night, once again, took a bottle of pills and tried to kill herself. She ended up in Long Island Jewish psych ward. And I went there the next day to visit her and she asked me I said what can I bring you she said bring me a sitter alright I went home I got a sitter I came to the psych ward I got there at 1 o'clock visitors have to leave at 2 I sat with her I spoke to her I gave her the sitter 
I've been in many psych wards in my life. I've seen a lot of pain. But what I saw that day, I never saw before. In this waiting room was a woman about 35 years old, sitting with her mother and father. She did not stop crying from the moment I was there. I was just watching her. She was just crying and crying, but hysterically crying for an hour. Till finally it's 2 o'clock and they announce all visitors must leave. I was allowed to stay there because I'm a rabbi. All visitors must leave and everybody started leaving. And the parents of this young woman, I would say she's 35, 40 maybe. This young woman get up to leave and this young woman begins to scream. Mommy! You can't leave me here! You can't leave me here! And she grabs onto her mother and she won't let it go. Mommy, I'm not staying here! You can't leave me! Daddy, please tell Mommy not to leave me! And I'm watching this screaming and yelling and it's ripping my heart out. And she's mama's grabbing onto her mother, she's not letting go. And the therapists in the psych ward go over and they pull her off her mother and they ask the mother, you must leave, you must leave right now because it's getting out of hand, you must leave. And she's screaming at the top of a human being's lungs. No, you can't leave me! I'm sitting there, I'm, I'm shaking. And the therapist, they're right in front of me, the therapist, two of them, turn to her and say, it's okay, it's okay, we're here for you, we'll take care of you. And she turns to these therapists and she starts screaming, you're not my mother! I don't want you! I want my mommy! And just at that moment, her mother closed the door and I see her mother's face plastered on the glass and she's screaming and her mother's talking and I didn't know what she was saying and boom, she's gone. I thought I was tough. I was broken. I, I never saw a human being in that pain. I left that psych ward, I took my car, drove past Brooklyn, drove past Muncie, drove straight up to Bear Mountains, found my spot that I have up in Bear Mountains where I meditate and started talking to Hashem and like, Hashem, I, I, I've never seen that pain in my life. And I sat down and I tried to deal with it. And a thought came to me on Bear Mountains. And I wrote it down on a piece of paper and I said, Hashem, nothing happens for nothing. I am going to repeat this thought on Tishabov. And the thought that I had was what I saw in that psych ward was Tishabov. Where Kleistrel was separated from Akkadish Baruchel. Al Narois Bavel. We screamed and we cried. Mommy, don't leave me! And we cried and we screamed. And this world turned into a psych ward. And the guy said, Don't worry, Klau Yisrael. We'll take care of you. You'll come to America. You'll be an American. You'll drive a nice car. You'll be a Yankee fan. 
You'll be part of the world. You'll listen to their music. You'll dress with their clothing. You'll be on their social media. You'll look like them. You'll talk like them. You'll walk like them. We'll take care of you guys. And on Tishabov, we sit on the floor and say, No! You're not my mommy! You're not my tati! I want my mommy and my tati back. I want Hashem back. As it says in Shirashirim, when Kleistrel wakes up and realizes that they didn't get up early enough to the door, we say to the world, tell Hashem one thing. Kichayli, I am sick in love with Him. And no one in this world can replace Him. And if that's what we say on Tisha B'Av, and we pull out the albums of what once was, then I won't have to read next year the ABCs. It's late. I, had a, I wanted to read some letters that this girl sent me from the, this place, Nebuch, that she is right now in Utah, alone, a Jewish girl amongst Goyim. She's so, she comes from such a from home that the, they took her, the Goyim, in this, in this rehab, took her to a beach of some kind, and she got very badly burnt. And the therapist, the doctor, the therapist called me up from Utah and she said, and she said, you know, you, 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 this girl, whatever, she, you know, she, she's really badly burnt. We might have to send her to the hospital, but I don't understand. Like, all the other girls put on lotion. Why didn't she put on any lotion? I said, she's a chassidish girl. She never wore a bathing suit. She doesn't know what it means to lay in the sun. How would they understand that? She never laid in the sun in her life. What did she know? They said, lay in the sun. She laid in the sun. That's how pure this person is. I just want to read one the first letter I got from her, and we'll dive in It was written to me on July 3rd. It's 12.45 p.m. on this Erev Shabbos Kodesh. It has been a mind-boggling morning. I just got out of an exhausting process group, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me start with last night. The recreational activity for last evening, which the girls chose, they're all Goyim, she's the only Jew there, with the help of the staff, was to hike up to a cemetery all the while watching the sunset. I guess it's therapeutic going to a cemetery. I don't, I, I don't, I don't, it's, it's a Utah thing. I have no idea. No, I'm not kidding. They thought it would be a calming experience. I was so upset. I did not want to go. I didn't want to think of death. But it was all worth it. It was truly a poignant event, a powerful lesson indeed, beyond words. When we first arrived, I decided that I'd stay in the van because I had a very hard time facing death. I was seriously afraid, but Yad Hashem had it that I went on this odd hike. At first I was focused on the moment. It was mindful, which is good. Breathing, seeing the beautiful mountains, of course, the unique tombstones. But then a Kurdish Baruch Hu stuck me with a thought. A powerful one indeed. This thought may seem trite, but living through the process of learning, it was truly an awesome experience. Now here's a girl who went through abuse for six years as a child, then went through a crazy thing here in New York, 
is alone in Utah with the Mormons, ripped away from all of us, very alone, in a graveyard. Shouldn't you be angry on Hashem? Look what you did to me for six years, and then this, and then this. Now she's in a graveyard with a bunch of Goyim. And this is this Jewish girl's thought. This world is compared to a hallway. The world to come to a palace, a ballroom. I want to choose to make my palace beautiful. My hallway may be comfortable, livable, but the hallway, if it's be all and end all, is just a hallway. It will end up in the grave. Just like all those graves I saw last night with no alum haba, no ballroom awaiting them. They may have had an extremely wonderful experience in the hallway called Adam Hazer, but they have no eternity, no palace, no ballroom, no nitzchias, no getting up from that unique tombstone. So, Kodesh Baruch Hu, you have given me challenges, a lot of challenges here in the hallway. But I promise, the Ezra's Hashem, I'll do all it takes to rise above those challenges, to get to be close to you, Avinu Shabashamayim, in your place, And now this morning, we had a process group. I discovered that one of the girls who was being really nasty to me, who was in treatment with me, is a neo-Nazi. And the daughter of a staunch neo-Nazi. She told of her dad that he's a skinhead, has swastika tattoos, and believes, believes in the Aryan Brotherhood. In addition to many racist comments, I was personally hurt. What should I do, Rabbi Wallerstein, in this situation? Leave this residential therapy group or accept it that Esav, Saina, Lyakov. I will be strong, I will be staunch, and I will make a Baruch Hu proud despite all of the difficulties. So as bad as we're going through, whatever we're going through, you can't rip the Jew out of the Jew. After everything she's going through, she wrote me that. I don't have the time. I gave her a sitter. She wrote a whole letter to a sitter. But I want to end off. Because she knew that Tisha was coming. I had to write a contract with her. She wanted me to write a contract to promise Hashem she's going to be a Tznua. But I want to tell you what she wrote at the end, the end, the end, the end. She wrote unbelievable. She wrote that she knows that the Beis Hamikdash that's coming will not be built with bricks. Here it is. Listen to this. And we'll end with this and a bracha. Rabbi Shalaylam. And, and, and I have to say this. We will go through a lot of stuff. A lot of people have a lot of reasons to step out. I don't think many people have more reasons than this girl. Everyone who's listening to this year, wherever you are, after 120 years, when you stand in front of the Rebbeinu Shalom and you say, what do you mean? This Rebbe did this to me. This guy did this to me. This person did this to me. This happened to me. And that's why I stepped out. This girl from Utah is going to be brought in front of you. This girl is a litmus test. And this is what she wrote. 
Rebbeinu Shalom. She wrote it in Hebrew. Ani Yodea. She based Hamigdash Hashlishi. Rebbeinu Shalom, creator of the world, I know that the third base Hamigdash, Eino Banoi Me'avanim, will not be built with bricks. Hu Banoi Bidemaos. It will be built with tears. Bebakasha, please. Kach Eshali. Take mine. We're in a very bad gullus, but we all need to know one thing. A woman who has a baby, and she's cradling the baby in her arms, and we need to take this to Mincha. Even though the woman goes from house to house, the Shechina, who's dressed in black, travels from house to house, and even though the woman is in gullus, but the child, that's in her arms, that she's cradling, that she's nursing, that she's nurturing. The child is not in Golos. The child is in its mother's hands. The mother is in Golos. If Klai Yisrael would just connect and understand that the Shekhinah is cradling us in her arms, if we would just come back to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, we would not feel the gallows because we'd be carried in Hashem's arms and even though the Shekhinah would be going from place to place we would remain in His arms but a child that jumps out of its mother's arms and is no longer in its mother's arms and is just walking alongside its mother if the mother is in Gullus, the child is in Gullus. If the mother is wandering, the child is wandering. What we need to change is to put ourselves back in the hands of Hashem. And if we do that, our Gullus will be over. May we be Zeicha that next year I will have nothing to say in this alphabet. May we be Zaycha that the Kahanim will be back and Kleistro will be back in the Beit HaMikdash and the whole world will know that Hashem Echad Ushmo Echad. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.